a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer. They don't have Fox, go to another dealer. Foxhead.com, folks. Appreciate uh, you guys checking out Racer X online as well, of course. And uh, this is going to be the Santa Clara Supercross review. I was there. It was great. Well, not really. But with me on the line, my boss at Racer X Online. He wasn't at the race, but uh, he uh, obviously watched it, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, Jason Wygant, what's up, Weege? Yeah, and we'll try to get JT at some point here. We're all scrambling on a Monday. We've got 19 projects going. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. All, uh, we're all slammed trying to figure things out. My voice is shot from being sick last week and talking at the race on Saturday, and I got a f- five-hour pulp show tonight, so it should be great. Um. First of all, Santa Clara uh, wasn't Dirtworks' finest moments. Wasn't their <laughs> finest moment. Maybe too much eggnog um, or whatever you have on Easter, too much Easter eggs. Those Cadbury eggs with the uh, the white the centers, the centers yeah. um, they can be addicting and they can be, you know, make you maybe feel a little sluggish. I don't know. Um, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a big floor on the stadium in Santa Clara. This Forty Niners play. But, uh, wow, not much going on out there, Weege. I don't know how it looked on TV, but this, this one, this whole race, whether it yeah. was the mains, the heats, practice, there wasn't much going on. It wasn't a uh, crown jewel of Monster Energy Supercross, and that happens from time to time. Yeah, it definitely looked that way on TV. And, you know, I have the ultimate stat, I think, to back that up, um, planning the week of uh, Racerex Online with Chase Stallow today. Um, we're going through the lap times for our sign the lap times feature for Tuesday. I believe Zach Osborne had the sixth fastest lap in the 250 class. Uh, and you would look at it and be like, man, that was his race to win. He almost won it. He finished second. That was a good podium. Overall, you'd think great night for him. But what it turns out is just on that track with so little to separate, and this is kind of a recurring theme, he got the start. Most of the other fast guys in the class did not. And it completely masked everything else. Um, you know, he just had a clear track and he just did his laps. Um, so the other guys yeah. were a little bit faster, but they weren't so much faster. They were able to come from as far back as they were to uh, to get him, except for Webb. So I think that that proves it a little bit right then and there that yep. Osborne got away and that made all the difference. Yeah, no, and that's reasoning why Justin Brayton went for it off the start uh, for Uh-oh. the main event. He he knew how important it was. He didn't really have a chance. He said in his uh, interview that he didn't really see anybody to his left, which was odd because I saw Anderson the whole way. But, yeah, Brayton pinned the shit out of it to try to get there, uh, hit Anderson, bounced off him, went down, and there goes Brayton's race. But he knew. He knew he had to get up front. Um, Michael Lessie made the, the main event out of the heat race, and uh, great, Mike's a good rider. We all know that. But he got the start, and he was able to hang up there and uh, and do it. So Yep. It just it was it was a track. The only thing we in practice was the whoops were pretty big. They were giving some guys troubles, but they rolled them before the night show. And in order to fix them, that's what they do. They roll them, and uh, they became a washboard section where the guys were hitting them in third, pretty much wide open. It was uh, yeah, it wasn't just there's was nothing out there, nothing out there to challenge the guys, nothing out there to really do. Um, you know, Dungey after the race said that, um, you know, it was challenging only because of, you know, when the track has the obstacles themselves aren't an obstacle in a way, and then you know, he had Kenny all over him, you know, then it's coming down to inches and tenths or, or thousands and trying to find traction. And I think another thing that this race now in its second year is starting to get a rep for is the, the dirt is not that good. Now, I think no. last year was even worse. Um, I, it seemed to me like they watered it more. 
uh, in practice this year, and it was like last year was all time really bad, and this year was just not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Dunge was saying, it was difficult because it was really coming down to that, you know, trying to get on the power and, and not spinning. Um, so from that sense, with him and Kenny up front, you know, it probably was a battle of you know small bits of execution. Who could break later? Who could get on the gas harder? And all those things. But for the majority of it. I don't know what the solution is. I know you really tried hard, and you can expand on this here. You tried hard to figure out what the deal is with the whoops. You asked a couple riders about that, why they get rolled down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and basically, uh, you know, Dunge also, and talk about the, the dirt, Weege, we'll uh, talk about the whoops okay. in a second, but the dirt, um, Dunge wore handguards. It was the rockiest, according to Carlos, his mechanic, it was the rockiest one we've had. And if you were at Toronto, or you were at Detroit, which I wasn't, but I talked to people who were, that's really saying something. That Santa Clara was rockier. Yeah. So, I mean, just all in all, yeah, just a, a kind of like not great dirt, not a great layout, maybe a lack of dirt. Um, but yeah, getting back to the whoops, you know, I mean, they're really hard to fix. It takes a lot of time and a lot of work to build a whoop pad. Um, it's probably the most intensive thing to do on a, on a racetrack. So the folks at Feld are really trying to fix them so they're not all cupped out and ruddy and beat up for the night show and they don't hurt the riders. So the best way they can do with not much time is to roll them and that sort of gets them back to square one as far as pushing everything down and getting rid of the ruts and then you know, kind of do a little bit of reshaping. But it doesn't it doesn't work out like it they got to figure something else out there's got to be another fix there's got to be another way you know i don't know um it just it it you know to to, to have a track that, for qualifying that is tough and gnarly and provides you know a challenge to riders um and then to just flatten them and like really like really change them i don't get that man i know what they're trying to do and i know why and I, may, I don't really have a solution, maybe, but uh, come on, man. It's not uh, – they're doing it too much. They're, 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 I, I don't know. I just know guys shouldn't be coming down and grabbing third and just not even noticing the whoops. Yeah, there was no difference between, you know, which guys were good in whoops and which guys were bad. The only thing I don't get is, okay, if, if it takes rolling them down for track maintenance purposes – then how come we've seen big whoops in races before? Then you yes. basically be saying it's impossible to keep them big by the time the night show rolls around. But they've done it. Well, just do what you've done. Well, yeah, but I think it depends on quality of dirt, water, et cetera, et cetera. I see. To whether they, whether how bad they get beat up. So in practice, you know, um, there's a, yeah, six on one half dozen on the other. You're right. I, I think so. I talked to a team manager after the race mm-hmm. about, uh, some issues and he was just like man we go to these guys and we tell them look dirtworks is tired man these guys they're comfy they get paid they have they're on autopilot a lot um back in the day we had different track builders and designers and competition is great we say to feld bring in jason baker for four races bring in this guy for a couple races give these guys a shot and we know weege um, with the advent of all these practice facilities and these, these, these compounds that there are more track builders out there than ever before. And they're making good money. And it's a kind of a booming industry ish. And so there are guys that would just, you know, love a chance to design a supercross track and to work a supercross track and everything else. And, um, Feld says, yeah, you know, we'll think about it. We'll do it, but they never do anything about it. But there's definitely some griping going on. There's no doubt. And, I mean, Rich Winkler at Dirtworks is a good guy. He's been doing it a long time. But I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm open it up, get some competition in there. Maybe a fresh set of eyes, some a fresh technique can uh, can change things up. Because, um, you know, I think bottom line, Weege, is when you look at Santa Clara Supercross, I added up the average ticket prices for a Supercross series in 2016. It's $85 is the average ticket price uh, through the 17 rounds. If you add up uh, the average, the average ticket prices at each round and then divide it by 17, it's 85 bucks. So if you're a Ryan Dungey fan, you're paying $85. You saw your guy for 19 minutes. That's what. That's how much you saw Ryan Dungey on the track. 19 minutes out of four and a half hours. Doesn't seem like it's good. And part of that's due to the track. Part of that's due to the format. Um, they brought the semis back, but they cut the heat races back by two laps. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. It just, as you can tell from my post race interviews, Weege, when I was walking around, I just wasn't happy. I'm like, this was so bad. This was so bad on so many levels. Yeah, I'll agree. I mean, the race was super short, and the track was not challenging, and the racing in the end wasn't that good. Although, I don't know. It, the hard part about racing is it can go both ways. You know, in the end, you had Roxon and Dunge very close for most of it, and then you could run the argument of that's why. You know, you had two guys close because the track didn't allow one to get away from the other, although I don't think it applies in this case because, I mean, anytime those guys have started near each other this year, it's been pretty close. You know, it was close yeah. in uh, Dallas. Uh, Toronto probably would have been close. Dunge went down, but they had some battling going on there. Um, but I don't know the solution to all of it. I know. We throw out the, the amount of time you see your stars. But there's two different things happening at the same time in, um, in Supercross or motocross racing. It's not the same as when they say – I used to hear this argument all the time. They'd say, hey, when James Stewart's dominating the races, they don't even show James Stewart. They just show the battle for second or third or whatever. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. When Kobe Bryant has the ball, they always show Kobe Bryant. And I'm like, yeah, but when Kobe has the ball, he has like two defenders on him, and he's hitting an impossible shot around them. When the dude's out front by himself, there's nothing exciting going on. So what I'm getting at here is, are they really going to the races to see their hero, Ryan Dungey, or are they going to see something dramatic happen? Does seeing five more minutes of Dungey out front by himself in a heat or out front by himself in the main, is that actually doing it? Is it is literally pure minutes and seconds of time of seeing him ride a dirt bike around the track, is that actually what gets people pumped? Or is it the anticipation of, or the drama of what's going to happen? I, I feel like the Supercross format is almost based around, hey, we know most of the time, these races aren't that exciting. So keep holding it off. Keep holding it off. Keep building the drama. It's almost like when uh, a Mike Tyson boxing match where you had like two hours of anticipation and then it was one minute of boxing and he knocked the dude out. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like that's what Supercross is. It's three hours of anticipation of the start. And then you pretty much know where you're at. Right. Well, I just, I think any event, I mean, what, what, would, uh, what would Vince McMahon say? If you only had a Triple H for 19 minutes out of four hours. Well, unfortunately, that's pretty much the way it actually does work there, but it's not even a, uh, it's not a fair comparison because if they want to make the match more compelling, they just make it more compelling. Yeah, well, so only, maybe Supercross we cannot make that main event exciting. Well, maybe we should. Maybe we well, should. Well, I think the easy solution would be, you know, a multi-moto format or something like that you know or, the monster energy cup format or, that, a, um, or, or, yep. or even like a, a side a side note of a of a um bracket race a side that doesn't even count for main events just yeah to, yeah there you go just to, yeah, just to get them out there more right. with anticipation the problem is if you make the main if you have the exact format now if you make that main event five minutes longer or five laps longer or whatever it's really not going to make as big of a difference as you think. Like, I know it sounds horrible on paper to say you only saw Ryan Dungey race in that main event for 13 minutes. But I guarantee you if it were 17 minutes, it would not have felt any different. There needs to, if you add something to it, it needs to follow that anticipation model. Right. So if you have a three-moto format like Monster Cup, you're like, what's going to happen when the gate drops this time? If you have that bracket race, what's going to happen when the gate drops this time? Four more minutes of that main event at Santa Clara would not have made anybody more thrilled, unless those four minutes led to Roxon passing him, but it didn't look like that was in the cards. Yeah. Um, well, so that's the problem. It's not just solved by putting more laps into the mains, because let's be honest, the mains often aren't that exciting at the end. No, no. Uh, and props to Roxon for catching Dungeon, giving him a bit of showing him a wheel a couple times. It was a great ride by Kenny, and uh, great ride by Dungeon. Reed told me after the race that that was the highest he thought they'd uh, they'd ever gone this year, Dungeon and and Roxon. And he, Chad's not one to throw out compliments. He's no, not, he's not one to be like, oh yeah, yeah, great guys, you know. So yeah, and he straight up said, what like I was at my max. Yeah, and they were way faster than me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, Santa Clara is not going to go down in my books, anyways, as as an all timer. I mean, maybe it was still a little bit of. Uh, me being a bit sick or something i don't know but man there just was nothing going on out there nothing and uh and i thought about the 85 dollar ticket price and i'm just like i don't know like and hey look the 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 supercross series has to fight the exact same things that the nfl and the nhl and baseball are 
they're all televised. It's on HD TV. It's live. Um, they have to fight that, just like made all the major sports do right now. And I, I'm, I'm guessing by looking at the attendance, a lot of people figured they'd just watch this one on TV, and they didn't miss much. No. This is harsh. This is harsh, Steve. Well, I'm just saying. I just it was just one of the look. It happens. It happens. We had a terrific races, yep. many many times, and we had terrific tracks. I still go to bed dreaming of Anaheim two track. I just <laughs> phenomenal. So, you know, it happens. But I'm just I'm saying. Throw a, I'm going to throw one more scenario at you here. This is going to get the people all riled up. Ready? Yeah. We just concluded the Easter break. Now, Easter moves around quite a bit in the calendar each year. But this particular year, it would have been perfect. Let's say this mythical, rumored, but not confirmed or denied chase format does happen. And this is becoming a weekly topic on this show. All right. I know that 99% of the fans I've heard from are absolutely just, they're having heart attacks over this. Like they are stringing up nooses and ready to hang themselves over this idea of a chase format. Right? They hate it. Hey, I've never seen so much universal disgust from fans. It's crazy. It's worse than four strokes. At least when four strokes were coming in, people thought they were cool. Yeah. This is not even cool before people have even seen it. They don't like it. Um, okay, so we had Easter break, and we have, what, six, six races to go before Santa Clara? Six to go, I think? Uh, no, five. Or five. Five, five. Yeah. perfect. All right, so we had 12. You'd have five to go. If Easter had fallen on the calendar, let's say they had done it this year, and they said, we get a week off, when we come back, that's when the points are reset, five rounds to determine the champ. Let's say that Dunge and Roxham were nearly tied on points. Maybe they give Dunge three bonus points for having the points lead or having more wins than Roxham or whatever. Have that exact same main event happening, those first ten laps, and those dudes are practically tied in points with five rounds to go. Then what happens? Are people out of their minds? Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. I think they are. That's my challenge. I, I, I understand the complaints about the chase format. I absolutely get it. It is not the most fair way to determine a champion. The most fair way is to have every race count the same, no doubt. However, as I say to all the naysayers, I challenge you to, to be in this scenario if we had tied points going into Santa Clara after the Easter break, to not be flipping out over, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, they're so close. This was a perfect example. Just imagine if the points are reset and the same exact main event happened. It would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't got to yep. sell me, bro. I'm there. I'm on no, there. Okay, yeah, you're uh, there. That, that, me and you, and I think it's about it. Nah, I've heard. I've, I don't think you said 99. I, I'm going to – I'd go 92. But – because I have heard from fans and emails and tweets, people that, would, that, are, that are excited for it, that think it's a good idea. So – I can't believe, I mean, dude, we have a scenario where Dungey, the most consistent rider maybe ever, has a huge points lead. If you, even in this climate, I can't find people that are for it. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand in 2013 when Millsaps had a good lead early on, making it seem like, ah, you've got to reward the guy for what happened early in the year, because it was like the one year where actually something like that happened. Uh, this is pretty typical. This is not that exciting. And for some reason, people are still... Mm-hmm. This is the way they want it, but this is what you get. It's that same exact main event would have been epic if the points are reset. Just throwing that out there. Right. Uh, a couple of guys coming back. Uh, first up, uh, Barsha uh, came back. I was uh, he, he crashed in practice pretty good, and so you know it wasn't a great. He was banged up from that. He crashed in a heat race, but I was surprised. Weege, he didn't look good like all day. I don't know. They said J Bone said he was riding good at the press tra- at the practice track and everything, but wasn't I great. Think, I think we have an official. It is official. It needs to be stamped. Unless you're Trey Kennard, he's the only exception. Otherwise, just stamp it. The dude's coming back. It never works. They never come back at the same level that they would like to be. Doesn't I mean? Well, no, I don't think that's necessarily true. Dungey has come back and been an exact same level. Uh, almost, but remember, God bless him, when Andrew Short won in Seattle, Dunge was there. Dunge had his first race back, he got a lowly fourth, and then, it, then he just won the rest of the races, no problem. <laughs> took him once, took him one to come back. Yeah, it took him one. Right. It took him one, but it still was Ryan Dungey coming back from injury, like the only time he's ever done it, mm-hmm. did get beat by Andrew Short and part-time Ken Roxon on a 350. Um, except for Kennard, who is just the master of this, 
he will do the exact same thing. He could skip. It doesn't even matter how many races he skips. Right, right. I think overall the proof, I mean, we hear everybody say, ah, you know, it's one thing at the test track, but it's different racing. Mm-hmm. Dude, it has just been proven time and time again. I don't remember it quite being like this uh, in the past, but I feel like in the last five or ten years, this what we just saw from Barsha is what we see time and time and time again. Yeah, uh, yes and no. I think with the very elite guys, mm-hmm. we've seen them been able to come back and run that pace right away. Yeah. Um, but they're, but they're, that's why they're elite, right? There's only a few of them. Um, but yeah. yeah, generally speaking, um, it does take a little bit of time. Um, God, but, you just heard it over and over that he's flying at the test track. You see a video. Today it's Instagram, and back in the day it was just a team video or Racer X or even Transworld put up a video of the guy in comeback mode, and you're like, he is effing flying. Oh, my God, he's effing flying. And there were yeah. Marsha videos last week that looked like that, and it just doesn't pan out. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was – yeah. It was uh, it was surprising because, we you know, we do our NFAB fantasy, Racer X fantasy show, and we all kind of said, like, hey, he's going to get top 12. You oh, know? yeah. And, yeah. And he wasn't anywhere near that even without the crash. So. Yep. All right, JT, Jason Thomas, welcome to the show. How's everything at Fly Racing? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, it's Monday morning, new month, so just uh, what does busy. That mean? What does that mean, new month? Well, you, I mean, you turn over, kind of turn over a new leaf every month as far as like you know, sales goals and all that. So. Oh, I thought you meant personally. No. I try to every month be a new person. <laughs> um, all right, Jason, uh, Wygant's on the line. We're talking Santa Clara, 450. Uh, Stu came back. We talked about Barsha. Uh-huh. Stu came back. Weege, if you closed one eye, you saw glimpses of the old Stu. He, he, I don't know if it showed it on TV. I've yet to watch it. He blew by Weimer in the whoops doing Mach 4, and, and he pulled a big old wheelie, and he didn't look bad. Now, of course, this being the year of not James Stewart, uh, he had mechanical problems with his bike, and he had to pull off. But second in the heat, I think he was seventh in qualifying or something, and wasn't he wasn't going to win, wasn't going to podium, but just maybe. Well, let me turn to JT actually because he was there. Yeah, J- I'm out on this one. Go ahead. Well, I mean, you can offer an opinion. We'll uh, we'll allow that. Uh, he was he wasn't he was as good as he's been, JT. That was the best, uh, well, other than, you know, one lap at Anaheim 1. Um, that was the best we've seen him. I'll give you that one. He wasn't, I watched him in practice. Not, well, the track was easy, as we've covered. Wasn't any sketchy moments, really. Well, no, wait, uh-huh. there was. Oh, there was in whoops, in the whoops, in the big whoops. Yeah, I saw some sketchy moments, and I saw him in, in a heat race when he was really pressing to go with Dunge. Um, he's still, I don't, he, you know, he's still not on the form that we he's capable yeah. of but it was certainly a step in the right direction i i really do believe that i mean what do you think he was about eighth in the main what do you think he could have got up to had everything gone all right i mean he, he could have took him a sixth or seventh yeah i think so you know the Ch- uh, the battle with chad and trey was um i think more than he had i don't yep. think he had that for 20 laps but he could have uh, because they you could have the bogle, he could have had the bogle pace yeah, yeah, that's yep. and that's kind of where I slotted him in with the start he had and where he was. Um, you know, he was up to like tenth and moving forward when he had the the bike issue. Uh, so yeah, I I would give him a six seven something like that, which is light years better than the last time we saw him, which was Atlanta. Yeah. What do you think, Weege? I, hey man, that's what I said coming back even in a straight rhythm. Like that's why straight rhythm proved nothing to me. Like he can roll out of bed, literally roll out of bed, have not ridden for a year. And be like, wait, hold on. If he had his gear on and the bike next to him, like maybe leaned up against his nightstand, he could come out and do one section of a supercross track incredibly well, blowing by dudes in the whoops. So that's what it was. I don't know if this proves that much. I guess it proves maybe this was better than maybe he was doing. No, no, no. It's not even better. Because in Atlanta, I saw 3.7 seconds of brilliance there at one point as well. So I don't know. At least he at least he came back, and I think he would have been able to do the 20 laps had he not have other problems. So maybe that's something, but it's not much. Marvin thought he was awesome in Atlanta. <laughs> um, actually qualified fourth, my bad. Um, and but I, remember, the heat races and whatnot, like the heat race in Atlanta, he was doing well until he tipped yeah, over his hand. Like there's but the, to me, there's was, a flash every weekend. Nah, he was sketchy in Atlanta. All right. I think sketchier in Atlanta, for sketchier. sure. Sketchier. 
The um, sketchiest I've seen him was Oakland. But then he was ske- he was still sketchy in Atlanta. And then I didn't see as much. You know, he it was, it was like he shook some of the rust off this past weekend. I, you know, when I was watching him, I wasn't scared for him, which is kind of how I felt for him in Oakland. Uh, because I just feel like he was kind of rushing to get out there when he wasn't prepared to be out there and go that speed. So it was good to see, even if it was uh, just glimpses of it. You know, he had a few runs through the whoops where it was like, holy moly, it's you know, it's 2007 all over again. Ah, oh, it was beautiful. It was. It was yeah, stupid. I mean, it's it. You know, if if we had another two months and he could race, you know, uh, without incident, I think we would see a very you know, capable James Stewart. Unfortunately, this thing's going to be over here in another month. I'd like to congratulate uh, Weege for being the official JS7 hater of this podcast with those comments that he's always seen flashes and it's no big deal. And It's a very important gauge, I know, to have the official JS7 <laughs> hater. I mean, I'm looking at Instagram uh, comments and RacerX Online comments. Actually, any race, I-, I can tell Stewart has returned to a race just by any time someone leaves a comment on the RacerX site, uh, I get an email. And I can tell by Sunday morning with the amount of emails I have if Stuart was competing in the race or not. Because <laughs> you will have double the volume of comments on the site. Wow. Good and bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Each way, right? Yes. Um, well, you know, it's a small step for mankind. Uh, a giant step for Stu fans. Maybe, maybe that's the right way to say it. The uh, Hanny came back, the 57, and Hanny being Hanny, this could only happen to Josh Hansen. Press day, riding to the stadium from the pits. There's a uh, cycle path, you know, outside the stadium that goes beside it. And there was a guard there, and it was all blocked off, and Hanny, the guard just was kind of motioning Hanny to go. And he's riding his dirt bike, and he hits a road biker. Just nails this guy. I guess everybody goes sprawling everywhere. Uh, Hanny, the mechanic, the cyclist, everybody. And uh, cops are called, fire department are called, EMTs are called. I guess when was this? This was on press day. Oh, unbelievable. And they don't fool around, well, I guess, at that, like when something like that happens on, on you know, public land or, or whatever, you know, something like that, like, a, like the cycle path being government land or something. I don't know. And Hanny's like, really? You really got to call everybody? And the cyclist was not having it. He was, he was going to sue Hanny, I guess, all this. But as I told him after the race, it, only ha- it doesn't happen to Brayton, Hanson. He had nothing to do with it. Like, he, he was just being waved forward to go. But welcome back, Hanny. Got to be some sort of metaphor, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. really know what it'd be, but something. Uh, but hey, you don't know what he's been through. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You don't know who you've ridden through. <laughs> I guess it was just chaos. Just just a, just a shit show of of motorcycle mechanic tools. Hanny, the cyclist, just smoked this guy. So, anyways, um, he came back, made the main. I guess that's about all you can do, JT. If you're him, you're just pumped to make the main and ride around. Yeah, I thought he was all right actually yeah. in the in the heat. I believe it was the heat. One of those races, he got a good start and was in the mix. Um, I mean, he had he had more speed than I really thought he would on the 450. Uh, just jumping in cold, you know. I, that's nothing against Hanny because I honestly do believe he's one of the most talented guys in the pits. I I would argue that with anyone. Uh, but I, he was better than I thought, you know. The 20 laps thing, I was a little unsure about. Um, and obviously, you know, I think that'll be something he gets better with if he sticks, you know, the, the rest of the way. Uh, but I, I was actually pretty impressed. I, I thought he rode well. He wasn't intimidated by anybody. Got in there, was battling with people and passing them back. And uh, I mean, it was it was a lot of, a lot more fight mm-hmm. than we've seen Hanny on the 450 than normal. Yeah, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to do any more. But Muscan was shaken up from a practice crash and was never himself. At one point in the main, I looked over at him, JT. He was just kind of riding around. Like he was just looked like he was just yeah he down. rolled that triple yeah he just kinda... yeah I don't know what was I mean obviously he was feeling the effects of that practice crash but yeah. um it was rough for you know it's not like he's in the title fight or anything I believe he was sixth in the points going into the weekend something like that mm-hmm. fifth maybe uh, but still he was on such a roll so hopefully this is something he can shake off uh, just during the week and be back on that form because he was really building towards you know yeah uh, four four straight podiums. Yeah, elite yeah. greatness here, and uh, I, I had kind of stamped him for a win, but 
um, this, you know, injury like this with a few races left could really take that away. Did you see the Grant Barsha Ramathon? It went on for about a week, for about a lap? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, they did get that on TV. Oh, I can't, did, you know yeah. what? They don't have a history, which I don't think, right? Which seems hard to believe. It does seem hard to believe. Yeah. yeah history can be forged in one lap, though. Okay. That's all right. Because Justin Barsha, as a 250 rider, his, his uh, doppelganger was Grant as a 250 rider. The, I don't care who you are, I have a chip on my shoulder, I'm fast, I'm aggressive, watch me ride. That's, mm-hmm. they're the same, they were the same 250 guys, to me, anyways. Geico Honda, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barsha, Barsha was a little bit more successful, I think. Well, yeah, titles, but, but riding styles and riding attitude. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is surprising. But uh, that was entertaining for a little bit, anyways. The, uh, i tell you what was entertaining was the, the Nick Schmidt-Barsha battle. Oh, I did not notice that, that. That was entertaining. Yeah? Yeah. Did you see that? No, no. Oh, man, the last lap. Well, it was actually like the last three laps of the semi going for the last spot. I mean, they were going at it. And I, I was... I was a little bummed on Nick Schmidt because he he definitely gave Barsha the spot initially with about two laps to go, and then he realized that Barsha had been there the whole time and couldn't do that. That was all Barsha had, and it was for the last spot. So then Schmidt kind of retaliated and got him back, and then you know Barsha ended up you know he just got way more experience than Nick does. But I think if Nick hadn't been intimidated, he would have just straight up beat Barsha. He had him. And, he, you know, I think he looked over in the air and saw the 51, and it just crept into his mind a bit more than it would have been had it, you know, just pick a random privateer. There's no way he gives him an inch there. Uh, but it was really, really entertaining for the last spot. Hmm. Yeah, we talked about Barsha a little bit. I was surprised, JT, he was not – he was as bad as he was. He just didn't look comfortable. Now, he went down in practice and everything, but still. He, yeah, and then uh, I know he had to be frustrated. In the, in the battle I was just talking about, I mean, he – he in, in a million years he never expects himself to be battling with Nick Schmidt for the last spot in the semi race, you know. Yeah. And and it was a battle, you know. Don't don't let anybody tell you different. I watched every aspect of it, and neither of them were faster than the other. You know, they were back and forth, inside outside, you know, cutting under each other. Um, so that was all Barsha had. If you know, because he got in front of him, if he had any more speed, he would have been gone. But he just he just didn't have it. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because you know he's got to be thinking about outdoors, and um, that that just was not a good weekend for for anybody under that ten. I don't think. If it doesn't go great, then uh, look for him in, on a Friday night to be soaking the track with a hose and <laughs> just trying to make it as muddy as he can. Um, Pike's been better though. Speaking of JGR, Pike's been a lot better lately. So. Yeah, what did he? What was his uh, finish? Eighth. Eighth. He uh, he said he let Eli go on the last lap. His hand was really sore. He, he let him by. He said he he just didn't want to, you know, screw up a finish. But yeah. uh, I talked to Eli after the race. Weege. Um, he said, "Yeah, I guess this is just a big learning year for me." I heard he threw that in there. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because you know the last couple of weeks have been like exceptionally bad. Like you know with Daytona, maybe it was a turnaround, and then it's been. Maybe even a little worse than the weeks leading up to Daytona. It's actually, if anything, it hasn't gotten any better since Daytona. And uh, you'd expect at this point him to almost be brooding. But, man, when I talked to him after Toronto and you talked to him here, it's like he's decided to just chalk it up. Like he can't even – it's almost like he's past the frustration. Yeah. He, and just like, I yeah, don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. There's not not a whole lot of uh, yeah explaining or extrapolating. On his results, he's just. Are we are we past the panic button, or is it just it just is what it is at this point? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's panic button time. We're in a weird void here. We're like, I think they can maybe chalk this up to ah, it's the first year, and he came in a little bit hurt. But if by the end of the year, here's the problem. I think everyone's just expecting, oh yeah, but you just wait till outdoors. But that performance he put in, like you can't just count on any person outside of maybe Ricky Carmichael in 2003 replicating that. Like, you can't – Yeah, I, I think everyone is assuming this is somewhat okay because you just wait to those first few motors outdoors. But if he does not win Hangtown by a minute and a half, which is a very tall order, I think then that's when the panic button starts coming in. There, I think but too I, many people are relying too much on what we saw for five motos. But I absolutely think, though, that that Daytona finish does indicate mm-hmm. – that things are going to go better outdoors. I I really believe that. Oh, you have to think so. Yes. 
You know I what I mean? That's like, what everybody's counting on. Right. So you won't get panic button until if it's if he gets fourth and fifth in a couple of motos to the first few nationals. That's when I think panic sets. Yeah, Hang right. Hangtown yep. goes poorly. If he comes yep. out and goes four seven, yep. uh, you might as well just smash the panic button with a sledgehammer. <laughs> exactly. That's a nice a little like parachute right now. Like bah, but just wait until the nationals. But if that doesn't work, uh oh. Yeah, how pumped was he to get caught by Canard from behind in the semi, and then Canard kind of just see you later. Yeah, especially when you know you know you've got to think Canard's in the running for that second Cowie spot right now. So I think more than anything, Trey was it was. I think Trey was pushing to get Eli for more than anything for a job. I really do. I think you know in the main events there's so much going on. People are watching the race at the front. In that semi, they were only watching those two, and it was a. You know, hey, this is what I got. Look, I just passed your top guy, type thing, um, and that that stuff carries weight. Like you, you know, we're sitting here talking about it, but in that moment, I was actually thinking like somebody at Cali had to be watching. Like, man, we we should probably do something about this guy. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm, speaking of which, I, I heard from uh, uh, somebody that Sealy Sealy resigned. So it was a big it was a battle between KTM. Uh, he had mm-hmm. an offer from KTM, and uh, but he's he stuck with Honda. So, so what does that mean for Trey at Honda? What do you think? Uh, wow. I honestly haven't heard the Roxon thing outside of any, just from one person that would kind of know. So I haven't really heard anything else. I did directly ask Dan Bentley. I'm like, what's up with Roxon? He's like, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> and I go, what's up with Sealy? I heard you resign him. I cannot confirm or, d- or deny. I'm like, come on, Dan. So. <laughs> Anyways, part of, part of the thing about, uh, about, uh, Sealy was I heard that one part of his deal is they're going to help him get a trainer, get a Alden Baker. That's what oh, I heard. Really? Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know how that Wait, works. Wait, that's what KTM was going to do, or that's what? Yeah, that's now? what KTM said. Oh, I see. Okay. KTM put that in the tra- in the contract. Wow. Um, to help pay for Alden Baker, and now Honda has to match the contract. So now he's got money either to. Um, buy more cars and live more in Newport Beach or, or hire a trainer or something. So, Yeah, that's uh, I know that whole KTM Alden thing has been brewing for a while. Um, there was a lot, of, a lot of meetings last year and the year before after races between Roger and Alden, so I don't know the full details of what's going on there, but there's definitely, you know, truth to that kind of agreement or whatever. Alden's, one thing for sure, Alden is printing money. He's well, depends printing. on who you ask. Yeah. Um, Ask John Knowles about that. Oh, okay. Um, hey, one of the things I couldn't I, – I had to, uh, a, a good view on that um, tomac Canard semi-battle because I dropped the gate at the Wiener Schnitzel dog race. <laughs> Why, again, it was phenomenal. <laughs> I was thinking of you the whole time. I know you were jealous, insanely jealous of me. I would have been scared. I mean, those are vicious, rabid animals. They're put on this earth for one reason only, and that's to eat humans. Can I just say that those owners, there was no, no socializing, no, no laughs being had. Very, very serious people with these wiener dogs. Like the Westminster Dog Show? Um, I don't know if they thought there was some sort of cash prize for one of these things to, to, to win. I, uh, there was some PEDs being fed, I believe, to the dogs before the race. As wow. There was a few owners just shoveling blue pills repeatedly into their dogs' mouths. I'm, I was down there. I was maybe trying to like say, hey, look at that little dog, and no one was having it. Like No one. Very serious. So, And really, when you drop the gate, they just run everywhere. There's no... There's no <laughs> Yeah, what's the point? It's not exactly a greyhounds, you know, mm-hmm. chasing the rabbit around the outside of the track. Well, and there's not, you can tell there hasn't been a lot of practice because they don't no. even know where to go. No. It was phenomenal, though, Weege, the adrenaline rush and everything. I, was I at, can't believe you, uh, you, it really happened. They, they gave you carte blanche to go down there and, and drop the gate. Yeah. Yeah. I made Is TV this the regular too? same gate setup that every other race uses? Anything different for the celebrity or... Just get down there. No, just just get just get down there. The one thing though, like Joey from Wiener Schnitzel, I'm gonna text him and tell him that in the future he needs to tell the gate dropper, like when you lift the gate up, you gotta hold it. And I did. Because if you just let it go and drop it, I would have killed a wiener dog because one of them <laughs> just decided to 
sort of mosey out the hole. He wasn't mm. really into racing. And I had to hold the gate like three, four extra beats to make sure this dude would clear the gate when I put it back down. Otherwise, if I had just lifted it and dropped it, like let take my hand off, I would have made sausage out of one of these wiener dogs. What are the chances Great. that Wygant tries to make this actually happen? Yeah, I'm going to call Joey. Maybe I can get in on this. <laughs> With this new data, he yeah. may be interested in dropping the, the gate. The, the decapitation of wieners. It was great. I just I couldn't get over how many pounds, like I said, they were feeding their dogs pills. And I was like, oh, look at the cute dog. And no one was having it. Like, no one, like, I, you know, obviously I love dogs. So I was into that. But they were not having it. There's no discussing. There's no making light of the situations here. This was very serious. I want to yep. thank Wiener Schnitzel. I want to thank JGR. The goal of mine to do this, and I did it. There's nothing on the line here, correct? No, I don't even know how they know who wins. I don't think they even talk about who wins. I don't think any. The person who, the lady who won was right next to the box. So I'm just saying, a la the 800, maybe there was a bit of an advantage here. She saw my, she saw me flinch. I don't know. But that lady won, and she wouldn't even let me get into the middle to pull the gate. I had to reach over her because she was bent over like some sort of Greco wrestler holding the wiener and you know like like squeezing his ribs until i i i was just i was rattled a little bit of the seriousness of these people i'm not gonna lie it was great though yeah how about our guy moser not in on it moser all day long they said he could be in the wiener suit um he even put the wiener suit on at one point to try it out he did not put the arms and legs on, and the boss of Wiener Schnitzel saw this and was upset at the Wiener Joey for letting anyone in the suit that was not fully dressed. And then they discussed letting Moser do it, and in the end they said we didn't really know what he would do on the floor. And I and <laughs> a bit I, of a loose cannon. I'm uh, I can't disagree with this thinking. I don't know either one of you would probably agree with me. I probably right. Yes. So. You know, what are you going to do? But Moser was, and then, you know, the guy who was dressed in it didn't do anything. And Moser was like, he didn't dance or anything. I would have danced. I would have, you know. So, anyways, <laughs> pretty funny. I know you guys are both jealous. So, my life has reached its pinnacle. You said something about making sausage, and I suddenly did get jealous. Yeah, really, right? That would have been superb. Free, free hot dogs. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. fantastic. All right, um, this is the uh, Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. And uh, did you know that the monthly magazine at Racer X uh, offers up 100% original content and photos you won't find on the internet, Weege? Uh, yeah, we work very hard on that, unfortunately. We have to double our workload every month. The May issue that's out now contains a story written about, uh, written about parents that I wrote, uh, staying involved in a professional son's careers. Is it good? Yes. I want, who do I complain to, though, about the cover image that was used for this feature story? What, the Alessis? Yeah. What's the problem? Well, they weren't really the focus of the story, and you know people are going to go, oh, here we go. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, so, anyways, uh, Blake Wharton penned a piece about members of the U.S. Armed Forces that work within the industry, and uh, Chad Reed and Jorge Lorenzo go flat tracking. That's a cool story. Yeah. Neat. Digital subs nine ninety eight. Print sub is nineteen ninety eight. And if you subscribe or renew now, uh, Racerex is going to send you a free Mookie cover T shirt. Subscribing is the only way to get one. Go to racerexonline slash dot com slash subscribe. Sign up now. So people need. Not that you coming to uh, Austin MotoGP next weekend. No, it's Indianapolis. Supercross. No, it's Austin. That's where I'm headed. You're not going to the race. Yeah, I'm going on Sunday to MotoGP. Oh, yeah. No one cares about MotoGP. Nobody cares. Oh, okay. oh I, apparently Racer X readers do. No, Chad Reed and Jorge Lorenzo went flat tracking. That's far off MotoGP. Well, you, you do realize what Jorge Lorenzo does, right? Yeah, I just want to see him flat track with Chad Reed. That's cool. Oh, all right. No one wants to see him Fair ride enough. on the pavement. All right, listen to this commercial from Racetech Suspension. Use the code PulpMX16 to save yourself money with suspension. And also uh, uh, Michelin Starcross 5, michelinmotorcycles.com, brand-new tire for Michelin. And we'll be right back to talk some 250s with Wygant and JT. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race tech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Uh, trust me on this. There's a more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably... 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Race Tech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, You found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Um, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, key for reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out, the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. Racer X Online Podcast, presented by Fox Racing. 250 class, before we get too far, holy crap, Hayden Melross. Wow. That was scary, and another reason why we should have nets, Weege. Wow. Wow. You know what I was also thinking? All the talk about how simple the track is, and maybe that makes things safer. Uh, dude, doesn't matter. You got a berm. Anything can happen no matter how simple you make the track. I, that almost looked fake. It looked like it was CGI, the way he launched. That was unbelievable. I thought he was going to be like a Wile E. Coyote cartoon, and he was going to walk away all bent and go, eh, 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 like, you know what I mean? Like an accordion or something. Oh, dude. You want to talk about, like, just the worst possible thing to happen? I'm glad he's all right. I guess he's okay. How could he be okay? I don't know. I talked to I talked to his his, uh, his trainer Tim Ferry after the race. I said, "How's he doing?" He goes, "I think he just went to the hospital to get checked out." And I'm like, "Just now?" And he goes, "Yeah." Wow. Yeah, my wife and I we were watching it. Uh, we watched the, the the race, and she just couldn't. Believe, she's like, "He has to have broken ribs. He has to or internal damage." Right. I said, "Well, he's Australian." Yeah, like <laughs> he hit below the ribs, but that. So I, I get the no rib thing, but. A kidney problem, a gallbladder problem, an intestine problem. A, you can get to just get dropped onto a fence from ten feet up, and you're okay. This is fine. I've seen it in WWF a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Damn, that's scary. 
Anyways, uh, 250 class. Zach Osborne came about as close as you can, JT, to winning one of these things. Three, 11 laps led. Yeah, but this is kind of when Webb's, you know, won races. This is kind of what he does. Doesn't panic. Doesn't freak out. Just kind of, you know, takes his time, catches up, reels him in. It, you know, it's almost like he has a script for how the race is going to go. And, you know, it's, he's just reading from the script. Okay, well, we're getting pretty close, so I guess I should make a move here. Yeah. And then, yeah, just gets in the lead and wins the race. Yeah, it was good. He showed remarkable patience. He was about, about seventh, eighth at one point. Um, you know. And that's what he did at the beginning of the season, yep. if you remember. You know, yep. it's been three months now or whatever, but every week it was like that at the beginning where he would just kind of chase these guys down. You know, Jesse Nelson at the first one, Christian Craig later. But he would just slowly meander up to him and then just, okay, well, I'm here now and I'm going to go by and then I'll, you know, I'll catch up with you at the podium, but no reason to rush anything. Yep. No, exactly. He's just, he's just, I mean, he's a class of the field. I mean, and you can see that just because especially, yeah. I mean, you know, he just kind of pulled away also too. It wasn't like some Osborne regrouped and fought him hard. He right. was better. And yeah. just, he, he looks like he's seasoned and, and prepared for his 450 debut next year. Like I, I expect a lot from him next year. What about the outdoors though? Does he go into the favorite is it for the outdoor title? You can't go in as a favorite over a two-time defending champ. Okay. I don't think. I don't okay. believe that. All right. No, no, I, I understand why you would say he's the favorite, but I don't think that's fair to Jeremy Martin after what we've seen from Jeremy Martin the last mm-hmm. few seasons. Uh, Weech, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jay Martin, until he gets beat, you just can't say that. I, you can see the argument both ways, but everything you said, he's still the champ. Yep. Alex Martin switched trainers. We're going with Swanepoel now. Got away from O'Mara, who's training his brother. And although the ninth place, you may look at the ninth place and go, ah, nothing's changed. He was better. He was better all day. Oh, he was in third, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, same thing. It's happened to him all season. Great finish, great finish, great finish. Coming, 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 coming. Crash. It's like, yeah, so brutal for the guy. Um, what else? I don't know what else to talk about in this 250 class. It wasn't again. Wasn't a great. I was a race. little bit bummed on the the lack of fire from Craig and Savachi, kind of all day and night. I I just didn't see a lot from either right. of them. You know, after the race, both of them, you know, they didn't get great starts, but both of them made a point to me that hey, Webb was right with me, like Webb was right there, you know, mm-hmm. with me, back at the you know back of the top three, and Webb pulled away, and they they couldn't. So, I didn't see yeah. Craig lay out Dakotas, but I guess he took him out. He felt pretty bad after the race. Did you see it? Was it on TV, or did anybody catch it? I didn't. I didn't see it. So no, I didn't know that. Dakota yeah. said after the race, you know, that he had a bad start. But I looked and I'm like, well, he actually was like ninth, and he finished eleventh. So how could the start have been to blame? He actually yeah. lost two spots. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I guess Craig. Craig said he apologized to him and everything. He felt bad, you know. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it. So I just never. I. I just never saw anything from either. Savacho Craig that they didn't wow me at any time all day and all night and I just thought for Savachi especially coming off of the drama in Arlington and he knew he had to win I just didn't see anything from those guys and and you know I'm not saying it's easy you know I they're better than I could be but I just thought I would see more in the way of fireworks from them and I just it never happened just never saw it yeah no I can't, can't just disagree. an observation yeah uh, that's actually observations is a trademark term. So, um, Oldenburg uh, fifth, not bad for him. Nichols got a bad start. Nichols got a bad start in the heat and the main. Really, he wasn't uh, wasn't the same guy that we've seen before crashed the break. On the start of the heat. Oh, yeah. he, he did. Okay. Yeah. Um, Freddie Norton crashed early. Aldridge crashed. Ah, uh, oh, three laps into the first practice. Welcome back, Chris Aldridge. Oh, it was it was the second lap, and it was ugly. Yeah. I don't know what he was. Oh. Was he trying to triple right there? Triple? No, he just went over the bars and the whoops. I thought he was in the and rhythm after the start. No. No, it was the uh, that short set of whoops that kept biting. Oh, everyone. that's right. Devin I'm sorry. Raper yeah, I'm sorry. That's where it was. Exactly. Norin as well. Yes. Yes. Big one. Oh, jeez. It was like they had a landmine there. Yeah, that one whoop was super sharp and it mm-hmm. was taller, and guys would just drop the front end and see ya. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was ugly. Welcome back, Chris Aldridge. Um, Mitchell Harrison was good, except he crashed again. God, again. I can't, I can't help but see a comparison between Zach Bell and Mitchell Harrison. Smaller dudes, 
lots of skill, balls out fast, but they cannot keep it on two wheels. Uh, Zach Bell at this point, I mean, you know, he, he's going to probably never reach the heights that uh, that people thought he would. You know, just numerous injuries hurt again. And honestly, like Mitchell Harrison, uh, JT, if he doesn't figure this out, he's going to be in Zach Bell's world. Yeah, Bell got some height at Dallas on that, that crash in uh, 13. Yes. Um, yes. But, yeah, it's uh, – I, I, but you know what? Bell had a ton of hype. He finally got a good start at Southwick in the outdoors. And then coming in, I mean, a lot of people had high expectations for him, and then he was running away with that heat race before he ejected there. But I don't think that, you know, Mitchell Harrison's a fair comparison because no one expected much out of Harrison. You know, he had to try out to get a ride with Star, and don't get me wrong, that's a great ride to be on, but it wasn't like he came in with all these expectations. You know, he was kind of the, hey, let's give this kid a shot type deal, not the, hey, man, this kid's going to be the next big thing. So, But he reminds me of Bell in a sense. He does, yeah. I mean, they crash, but if you look at the 250 class now, that's kind of the, the way these guys are, from Jordan Smith to... No Zach Bell to Mitchell Harrison to down, just go down the list and you can see guy after guy that they just push so hard. You know they are willing to take any any and every chance. Where I think that's kind of a newer that fad now. With I don't know if it's the scrubbing or if it's the four stroke or I don't know what it is, but these kids are just I, not scared to just send it. And I agree. With they you. end up throwing it away half the time. I agree with you, and you know what I think it is. I think it's the consequence of what Wygans talked about. These kids ride at facilities only. They don't race anymore, you know, outside of whatever, a few races mm-hmm. a year. And they don't have racecraft. They get on a racetrack that's skinny, narrow. They don't know what they don't know what to do. I just yeah, I mean if you watch if you really watch these kids, they are going for it. I mean I, I don't think I ever took the chances that they're taking on a lap by lap basis. And I'm I'm not saying I that was a good thing. I probably could have taken more chances in my own career, but man, they're scary to watch. What do you think, Weege? Think some of it is due to that? Yeah, I I, I do think I mean I've I've already said that I think that's part of it. Um yeah, I don't know what the difference is, but or is it the you know, I hate to go there, but there's no doubt that these bikes are a lot faster than, you know, the equivalent fifteen years ago would have been a one twenty five and they're going a lot slower and maybe they're taking chances but they're making mistakes instead of massive uh wad ups. I don't I don't think that sixteen, seventeen year olds in, in nineteen eighty nine were known for being um the smartest racers either but maybe the consequences are just bigger and it's more obvious but yeah man you can't one of these guys is going to hit at some point it's all going to come together but in the meantime you're just like oh maybe maybe he's the guy maybe he's not maybe he's the guy he's you can probably come up with six or eight of them um and seven of those eight will probably just end up crashing a lot and one of them's finally going to figure it out it could be any of them it could be hampshire it could be smith it could be plessinger um you know luke renslin we didn't even really get a chance to even see this year Mel Ross has been fast all the time, but he always has stuff like this happening. There's a, I think there's a bigger list of guys like this, and there's a list of guys that are consistent. Is it is it an awareness level that they have to just they have to be up front, or they're not going to get a ride the next year, or, or stay on a team? Is there anything to that as far as I've got to be a top five guy in the first year or two, or I'm done? I, I don't. I don't think it is, because I think, if anything, the teams have actually shown a little more patience um, than they ever had on that. I almost just think these dudes have been programmed to scrub and put in crazy lap times for 10 years now. So that's just what they're doing. It's just what they do. Yeah, it's probably true, because I went, I've actually been, in the last year or two, been going to a lot of amateur nationals and watching. And the kids that are coming, which a lot of listeners won't know, um, obviously everybody's heard of Austin Forkner, but there's kids like Bradley Taft. Um, Chase Sexton has, you know, a little bit more notoriety, but these kids are coming up and they're the, exactly the same thing that we've seen going on in Supercross right now out of Smith and, and um, you know, all the names we just mentioned. They absolutely go for it on a level that is absolutely, death, you know, just terrifying to watch. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It's I've seen some horrific crashes out of those kids. Luckily, it's on outdoor tracks where they tend to ride out of most of them. But you put them on a 16-foot wide track lined with tough blocks, and uh, you know things things happen a little bit more quickly. Let's say. Yeah, that's interesting. It's an interesting theory. I'd- yeah, and I, you just can't. I don't think you can rule out the 250F versus the 125. It's just so much easier to go so much faster, uh, and then the consequences are that much bigger. But it's you know? like it's like the elite guys, though the Cooper Webbs, 
the Barsha, you know, Jeremy Martin, these guys come in and they don't, I mean, they're obviously they're pushing it and they're fast and everything else, but I don't ever feel like, oh, those, they're sketchy. It's like the guys that, the guys underneath them that aren't going to be winners, but they can't go Cooper Webb speed for a little bit if they had to. Those are the guys. There's a bunch of those guys. You know, I don't feel like the elite guys are sketchy at all. No, they're elite. They're they're just able to do it. But um, you're just it's just crazy. Uh, yeah, it, I think a lot of times these guys leopards kind of don't change their spots. Um, like you remember Jordan Smith at Monster Cup as an amateur, just completely flipping through the air trying to pass Hampshire <clears throat> the last lap. Um, some of these kids are just they're more willing to just go for it than other people and i think that's i think that's an inherent um kind of quality or i guess could be a you know um there could be a negative connotation to that too if it never works out but i think some people are just they they are much more willing to put it on the line than other people you know where we've never seen that kind of riding out of ryan dungey not at any point in his career was he a guy that just tossed it away over and over where other guys were, you know, and, and some of them figured it out and some didn't. But um, I, I just think it's it's on some level, it's, you know, just on a personal level of whether you're willing to do that or not or if that's your style of racing. Well, I hung it out with the with the wiener, with schnitzel, wiener dog gate drop. I'll tell you that. Careful. <laughs> careful. 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 <laughs> it's phenomenal. All right, anything else? I mean, my voice is going and – Santa Clara. I, it was a terrible race. It was, I'm just going to say it again. It's just a terrible race. It was race. a terrible race? It's a terrible race. It was, Why? There was no crowd there. The track was boring. The racing was pretty boring. But outside of the wiener drop, gate drop, it was it was not one of a classic supercross. And that's no, I thought it was good. I thought the weather was awesome. I thought it was good. Oh, okay. All right. I, no, really. I, I, I didn't have that. I've been to many supercrosses where I left, and I'm like, holy cow, that was a terrible race. But I didn't, I didn't get that this weekend. Really? Maybe. Wow. No, I, I mean, I thought, you know, we had a great afternoon weather. The fans weren't, you know, locked into a stadium like the, you know, Toronto-Detroit situation. They were kind of get out and walk around and be outside. And well, I didn't think the racing was that bad. You know, Dungey getting the whole shot doesn't help anyone. But Well, Anderson uh, got the whole shot, actually. Well, you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. he's in the lead, you know, the first lap. Right. Uh, Stu, Stu gave some people some thrills there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I've been to worse races. I could tell you that. All right. So, Weege, um, you're not going to Indianapolis either, are you? Nope. Bring the chase format, and I'll I'll come on back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on chase, back. Chase Weege. Stallow format or? Yeah, this weekend I, I had to settle for the Chase Stallow format in Indy. I meant the Chase <laughs> format. I, somehow the memo got mixed up. Right, yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. All right, RacerX online podcast. Please check out racerx.com uh, forward slash subscribe. Uh, sign up now for some uh, the magazine. And uh, thanks to Fox Racing, foxhead.com. And uh, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll see you at Indianapolis. Kind of. <laughs> see ya. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. 
I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. You know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey.